I'm Christy Demera, retired priest from St. Margaret's in Bellevue, and this is the second time that Father Josh has invited me to be here with you, um, preaching and presiding. Um, this morning's gospel passage tells us that Jesus appointed 70 of his followers and sent them on ahead of him to every town and place he himself intended to go. We don't see many people going door to door anymore, except perhaps young Mormon men on mission. And I actually have a story about two young Mormon missionaries who were doing just that. One afternoon they knocked on the door of a woman who was not at all happy to see them. She told them that she didn't want to hear their message and she slammed the door. To her surprise, however, the door didn't close. It just it magically it seemed to almost magically bounce back. She tried again, really putting some strength into it with the same strange result. The door bounced back open. Convinced that one of the young religious zealots was sticking their fore, foot in their door, she reared back to give it a third slam, thinking this would really teach them a lesson. But before she could do so, one of them stopped her and politely said, Ma'am, before you do that again, you really should move your cat. Well, it's true that we don't see many people going door to door anymore, but 2,000 some years ago, Jesus appointed 70 emissaries to go out into the towns and villages two by two to heal the sick and to tell anyone who would listen that the kingdom of God was near. And sometimes the appointed 70, like the Mormon missionaries in this little story, were also rejected. The 12 apostles were originally sent to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel, but these 70 had a much broader mission. For 900 years, the Jewish people had been hoping for a restoration of the glorious kingdom of David and Solomon. And for 500 years, they had been longing for an end to foreign tyranny and a return to prosperity and freedom. In Jesus' time, these longings and expectations were at an all-time high. And the communal hope for a better life was focused on a Messiah, a new King David, who would come and restore prosperity and peace exclusively for the Jewish nation. But then Jesus came along. And after he had chosen his 12 apostles, at a critical point in his three-year ministry, he appointed the 70 in this morning's gospel and sent them out in the name of God, not just to the Jews, but to others. At that time, it was popularly believed that there were 70 nations in the whole world. And therefore, the 70 disciples symbolized God's desire to announce the arrival of God's kingdom to all nations. Because God's kingdom was inclusive and not exclusive, universal and not provincial. By appointing the 70 to this brief mission, Jesus was announcing that the that the love and favor of God extended far beyond the Jewish Palestine. There was then, and remains today, a worldwide need to hear the good news of the gospel, 
the good news of salvation, the good news of God's love, power, forgiveness, and acceptance. And yet many then, and many today, have trouble welcoming this good news. Even though the root of the words evangelist and evangelism come from a Greek word meaning good tidings or good news, today it seems these words carry a negative connotation, such that many people are put off by the efforts of Christians to share or evangelize the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. It may be that a listener's heart is hard and for whatever reason refuses to open Or it may be that we Christians have failed to communicate the message of Jesus in ways that enable others to recognize it as good news. For instance, I came across a list of 15 things Jesus did not say that some may think he did. And these are just a few of them. Jesus did not say, by this, all men will know that you are my my disciples if you have correct theology. If anyone would come after me, let them disparage all other religions and their followers. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, which means the people with whom you relate to in your own Christian subculture. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you a checklist of things to do and things not to do in order to remain in God's favor. It's unfortunate, even tragic, I think, that Christians are often perceived by non-Christians as intolerant, judgmental, and hypocritical. We're often criticized for being more interested in imposing our beliefs on others than in engaging in responsible and compassionate dialogue with others about God, life, and faith. The way we speak and act doesn't always reflect that we are people who do indeed have good news to share. Even Mahatma Gandhi the great spiritual leader of India, is reported to have said to those who attempted to convert him to Christianity, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That statement really stings, doesn't it? And yet we are called to be witnesses that in Jesus the long-awaited Christ, there is salvation and healing and hope. And our essential task as followers of Jesus is to bring this good news about God our Creator and Jesus our Savior to others so that they too might discover themselves beloved children of God and recipients of unexpected grace and blessing and new and eternal life. The good news we are called to share is that the nature of God is love and that God loves each and every human being. And God didn't just say that God loves us, but God acted in history to show us the breadth and depth of that love in and through the word he became flesh and lived among us. And the key to the fulfillment of God's plan to spread this good news is you and me 
motivated, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Even so, I remember a, a few years ago uh, when St. Margaret's hospitality ministry team was meeting to discuss how church members might be more effective in going out and inviting people to come to St. Margaret's. A friend in that meeting responded with much animation saying, I would rather eat a snake than be an evangelist or a missionary. And I suspect some of you may feel the same way. But evangelism is not nearly as hard or as awkward as one might think. It doesn't mean cornering people and force-feeding them religious pamphlets. It doesn't mean bullying them into accepting some form of religious doctrine. It doesn't mean making them members of this or any other church. It simply means sharing the story of how you have come to know God in Jesus Christ and the difference that knowing him has made in your life. In a courtroom, a witness isn't expected to argue the case, prove the truth, or press for a verdict. That's the job of attorneys. Witnesses simply report what has happened to them or what they have seen. And Jesus said, you will be my witness, not you will be my attorney. And he wants you to share your story with others because there is no other story just like yours. We may not be biblical scholars or published theologians, but we are the authority of our own lives. And it's hard to argue with personal experience. Personal stories are easier to relate to than principles, and shared stories build a relational bridge that Jesus can walk across from our hearts to another's. That's why over and over, instead of quoting scripture, St. Paul used his personal story to share the gospel. There's an author whose name is Dallas Willard, and he once said that when he was a young boy, rural electrification was taking place throughout the United States. For the first time ever, tall poles popped up across the landscape of the countryside with huge wires strung from pole to pole to pole. But initially, at least, not everyone trusted electricity and so more than, a few, uh, more than a few rural families opted not to tap into it. They heard the message of the electric company explaining how much easier life would be with electric washing machines replacing the hand-cranked ringers and electric vacuum cleaners bringing an end to the old practice of hauling heavy carpets outside to have the dirt beaten out of them. They heard these promises but they didn't trust them or believe them. So in a sense, Willard wrote, you could have said to these folks, my friends, electricity is at hand. But if they opted not to tap into the power that was running right over their heads, then the nearness of that power would do them no good. Maybe the message of the nearness of the kingdom of God is something like that. 
The 70 disciples went out to joyfully declare that with Jesus in the world, the kingdom of God was near at hand. But all that goodness and glory and power of the kingdom was right there. But if they kept it at arm's length, it would do them no good. Those who rejected this message didn't weaken the power of the kingdom, but it did land them in a spiritual situation of staying in the dark when the light of the world was close enough to touch. All of us here today are an answer to a 2,000-year-old prayer. It's the same prayer uttered in today's gospel. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest, because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The fact that we are all here today, at home, or here in this church building, praising God and confessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, is God's answer to that prayer. You are God's answer. Whenever you act or speak, or in any other way reveal to those around you by word or example that the kingdom of God has come near to you and therefore has come near to them as well. God may not be sending most of us out into the community two by two or door to door anymore, but make no mistake, God is still sending us out. And just as Jesus blessed the anointed blessed and anointed the 70 disciples in this morning's gospel. So Jesus is blessing, anointing, and empowering us today for that same divine work. Because every time we affirm and reaffirm our baptismal covenant, we answer yes to this question. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? We answer yes that we will proclaim the good news of God in Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the light that illumines the darkness of our world, the bread that comes down from heaven, the living water that quenches our thirst, the good shepherd who calls us by name, the vine to which we, the branches, are connected and from which we receive our life. So let us be faithful to the baptismal promise that we will proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ by trying never to pass up an opportunity to tell our personal stories about God and God's kingdom. Let us share our stories, our personal experience that God's kingdom is indeed universal rather than provincial, inclusive rather than exclusive. Let us share stories of the breadth and depth of God's love as we have personally experienced it, trusting that as we do so, we will indeed be building relational bridges that Jesus can walk across from our hearts to the hearts of others. Amen.